0: brian smith here and welcome to the dream path podcast where i try to get inside the heads of talented creatives from all over the world my goal is to demystify and humanize the creative process and make it accessible to everyone now let's jump in jason welcome to the duocast man i'm glad to be back Brian. yeah well uh what'd you think of the matthew berry episode
1: matthew berry that was that was really cool that guy's a really good storyteller I loved the stories of uh, his experiences with uh, Denzel and Gandolfini, and there's some really interesting stuff in there from him. Yeah. I think what
0: I appreciated about Matthew is he comes from a portion or a section of the film industry that isn't really talked about. Right. There's, there's this thing that happens called casting where nobody really understands it unless you are in the casting industry or you're directing or producing a movie you probably know. All about casting, but mm-hmm. for folks like us who just like watching movies, we don't really understand where casting directors fit into the picture. And and so you have this guy Matthew Berry who starts off in acting at a very young age and goes through some pretty tough lessons mm-hmm. with all of the um, the craziness that comes with accolades and fame at a very early age. And then he uh, evolves as a human, as a as an actor and finds organically this industry called casting right and has a knack for it and really makes a name for himself so i love that type of journey where you don't have someone who goes to college and says you know what i want to be a casting director <laughs> you know it's more organic than that it just it's just happens because he is following his passion, and, and obviously his parents had something to do with this. Oh, sure, in terms of him getting into the arts to begin with, and acting and filmmaking. But he he finds his way into casting and then becomes like the A-list casting director. But th- he's still not satisfied with that and, and takes his craft a little further and starts teaching acting, right? So I love journeys like that that are really unique because, you know, you can talk to. A thousand people in the film industry, 10,000 people, and you'll never hear that particular journey. Yes. It's extremely unique to Matthew. Right. Yeah. In his stories, you're right. I mean, the Denzel Washington story, and also how he was uh, with casting with Nick Cassavetti's The Alpha Dog movie, and, uh-huh. and also how, how he finds the young talent like Ben Foster, like mm-hmm. Justin Timberlake. And Amanda Seafried, you know, what does he see in these people? And how does he recognize a star? Right. Because it's not really Nick that is going out and finding these people. It's Matthew. Matthew's doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So he has to see something special that maybe other people don't see. And Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams in the notebook, same thing. Right. There's an, an, an interesting talent there that I'm not sure we understand as as film viewers but now we have a little peek under the hood about how that happens
1: yeah i didn't realize how involved casting directors were with the actual filming part of it or being i didn't even know they were there i mean i figured they just cast the characters and that was it and they leave yeah yeah they're done yeah he sounds more involved like he's a little more hands-on right for at least
0: for the first part of the film right but it's also It's gonna be interesting to see how the film industry is affected by COVID Hmm. and whether we're going to have a shortage of content shortly. I would imagine so, yeah, yeah, that's tough. I'm noticing on Netflix and Hulu and uh, all these streaming services that, uh, and even on like iTunes and the movies that you can rent and buy, they're really kind of digging deep to Mm -hmm. find content. (laughs) You're seeing a lot of foreign films that you would probably not see first on the list in your suggested movie titles and things like that. Yeah. So they're, they're kind of desperate, I think, to find content, new content, and make it seem fresh. Yeah, this it's really
1: screwed everything up, this COVID stuff.
0: So two weeks ago, we watched the same movie on Netflix, and it's called Defy Bloods. Right, the Spike Lee film. Right. And we, we're trying this new aspect of our duocast where we talk about a film that both of us have watched. Mm-hmm. So this duocast, uh, we're going to talk about what film?
1: The Bill Murray stories.
0: Ah, yes.
1: It was great. So this is a Netflix documentary, right? Yes. And uh, tell me what you thought about it. Well, it was great because, you know, I'm a Bill Murray fan and, and I've heard over the years these sort of legend, like urban legend stories, you know, where Bill Murray will photobomb a wedding or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't believe it because I was always under the impression that Bill Murray's I've heard he's difficult to work with, which I don't believe. I think it's, if he's difficult to work with, it's because he, he kind of goes to the beat of his own drummer. He's just kind of his, this unique person, you know, and all the Murray brothers are great. Bill's my favorite out of the, out of all of them. And it's fun to see this documentary because these legends get proven. There's actual footage and pictures of stuff where he showed up at a bar somewhere and, and bartended and, and, you know, showed up and did somebody's dishes or something. It's at a party. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, none of that ever happened. Well, it did. Yeah.
0: These urban legends are not really myths. They're actual stories
1: that happened. Right. And there's video. I mean, people have got video of it. So it's like really, really funny. And, and Bill Murray seems like a really cool guy to me. What do you think is so mythological about Bill Murray? I mean, it's weird how he can kind of just, he just kind of appears out of, out of nowhere to these places, you know? Right. There'd be a, a football game going on and there's Bill Murray. He just shows up
0: yeah i you know I think that for me, I mean, he's always been a kind of a mythological figure because of a couple of things. number one, he is he's got a genius about him mm-hmm. that is really special, a comic genius, but also he's great acting in dramas too. oh, yeah, you know, he can play it straight, but that's not really what makes him mythological in my opinion i I think the way I've looked at him is that he is kind of reclusive and hard to figure out because mm-hmm. he's not out there in the media he's not doing a lot of interviews no and as we learned from this documentary the bill murray stories he doesn't even have an agent or this firewall the firewall that he has is literally an answering machine Mm -hmm. and for folks who are listening who don't even know what an answering machine is because you may be too young (laughs) to remember right but back in the 80s and 90s and maybe even the early 2000s, there was a machine that we would connect to our phone and it literally had a tape recorder in it where there would be a greeting and you leave your message just like voicemail, but it's a machine right? and nothing digital about it. So, he has this voicemail on an answering machine and an 800 number. And if you want to reach him, you have to leave a message on this machine. And I don't even think I've figured out what his 800 number is. I suppose if I Googled it enough, I might find it. Yeah, but that's how this director of this documentary found Bill Murray, right? Uh-huh. Um, or at least found the number. He didn't find the man himself to no. to interview. But I, you know, I've said this for a long time, Jason. And this was even before I watched the Bill Murray stories, which I watched quite some time ago, actually. Mm-hmm. But Bill Murray is my white whale. Right? You have told me that. Yeah, you have told me that. If I interviewed Bill Murray, that would be it for me. I don't, I don't know that I would need more than that. Just to hang the towel, right? So all roads lead to Bill Murray, the white whale of podcasting.
1: (laughs) I'm not sure if he's ever even done a podcast interview before. I don't think he, I don't think he likes doing interviews. Yeah. Period. And I think I've seen him, I know he was on Letterman one time. Usually when he's doing a film or something, he might go do a promotional thing. And I've heard radio interviews with him. Right. Where he was reluctant to call in because he didn't think they were legit. When he called him and found out that they were real, then he did the interview, but he's not a real interview guy at all. Yeah, and you know what? my impression, maybe I'm just reading too much into this, and I'm projecting
0: on him things that I you know I'm making conclusions about his personality that aren't true. But my take on Bill Murray and why he's not doing interviews is not because he's shy. Mm-hmm. I think he doesn't have time for bullshit, right. And what he's looking for with these interactions with folks. For instance, when he shows up at a party and he just walks in off the street and he starts mingling with the crowd and maybe sits down where the band is playing and starts playing drums or singing or goes into their kitchen and starts doing their dishes at a party (laughs) or shows up at a wedding and photobombs the wedding, whatever he's doing. I think what Bill Murray is looking for is real in the moment, unique memory-making experiences. I agree. I think so. And that's what's so Zen about the guy. Right. And that's what's so fascinating because there aren't that many Zen movie stars or famous people. Mm -hmm. I mean, they may be Zen, but from the outside looking in, this guy is like the Buddha of comics. right? And uh, and so that's what I loved about the, the documentary. And also, how can you have a documentary called The Bill Murray Stories and not even have Bill Murray in the documentary? Yeah, literally, he's not interviewed in it at all. Right. I mean, he did it, but how can you have a good documentary about someone where that someone is not in, you know, not featured in the documentary, other than found
1: footage, basically, uh-huh. of just chance encounters with this guy. Right. But he pulled it off. I, I love Bill Murray, man. Ever since Caddyshack, I mean, that was that was for me when I first really liked Bill Murray. Yeah. And Stripes. Yeah, Caddyshack
0: and, and Stripes were, I was, I was a little bit young to really appreciate how great he was in those movies, but in Ghostbusters, that's, mm. when, that's when it really hit me, because that's yeah. when I started to become a little more conscious of a comic genius, basically, mm-hmm. and what, you know, someone who's super funny versus someone who's just kind of
1: amusing. Oh, yeah, he does it well. He certainly does. Yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. A lot of these movies have this sort of message of enlightenment in it. Yeah. You know, that seems to be kind of a point that he likes to make in his films. Right. You know, Groundhog's Day. He did the, I, I can't think of all the titles, but he even mentions the, the Dalai Lama in, in Caddyshack. I mean, that he caddied for the Dalai Lama in that, in that film, and it was funny.
0: Yeah. You know, that's an astute observation. I mm-hmm. think
1: Lost in Translation was another one where mm-hmm. it was a very
0: subtle performance, but there's, there's a, um, a journey there, an mm-hmm. emotional
1: journey and a search for meaning. Right. Yeah. What's the thing he always, it's like a common thing he says, it just doesn't matter.
0: hmm Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it
1: as much as I did. Oh, yeah. I'd watch it again. It was great. So, who do we have coming up next, Jason? We have an interview with Stephanie Mercedes. Stephanie Mercedes. Yeah. She,
0: she goes by Mercedes, and she is an artist that works with metal, mm. and specifically, melting guns into bells. Interesting and i don't think i've ever heard of an approach to art like she has she has the most unique vision of what she's creating and what she's trying to accomplish with her art emotionally and evocatively I, just such a special unique person so fun to talk to as well and super young for how evolved she is artistically she's uh, i'm not going to spoil it too much by talking about her interview but I really enjoyed our conversation and I feel like she's really going places. What an interesting thing, man. Melting down guns. And not just any guns. I mean, she's taking guns that are used in mass shootings. Oh. Yeah. And she's taking those guns and melting them into art. That's awesome. Yeah. And and what a provocative thing to do Uh in the United States. She's a Washington, D.C.-based artist. So she's like right in the heart of America's political discourse. Yeah, She's got a perspective on the world and on what art can accomplish that I think listeners are really going to appreciate. Even if you're a big Second Amendment person and you love guns and and you're all about protecting Second Amendment rights, this isn't an interview that's going to be offensive or hard to listen to. She comes at this at an angle that is very easy to understand and appreciate. I love it. What a great idea. Yeah. She's a neat person. So looking forward to that interview, and I guess we'll, um, we'll be able to recap her interview next time we talk. Yep. Uh, Jason, it's uh, really good talking to you, and man, let's do more of these.
1: Let's, let's keep this going for years. <laughs> right you know, let's, let's. Well, 10 years from now, we'll, we'll look back and we'll just laugh at it and say, you know, this is what we do. We are conversationalists professionally. Absolutely are. We just don't get paid for it. That's right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, brother. Hey, thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If so, I have a favor to ask. Can you go to wherever you listen to podcasts and leave me a review? Your feedback is what keeps this podcast going. You can also check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook with the handle at DreamPathPod. And as always, go find your dream path.